0: good morning everyone happy new year happy new year Um, as Andrew mentioned my name is James Uh, some people call me Rev and uh, I'm one of the pastors here at Living Way Um, and whether again you're here with us in person or joining us via live stream um, we're just glad that you're with us to kick off 2023 Um, there are no other group of people there's no other group of people that I'd rather celebrate the coming of the new year with than you guys and so just very honored Um, before we begin what a better way to start the new year than to recite our church values if you're new here or visiting uh, these values summarize who we are and what we aim to be Um, it doesn't mean that we've perfected them uh, but if you want to know about what we're about uh, these values are it so uh, in light of the new year instead of just reciting them um, i wanted to say them as a prayer as we head into 2023 church family can we make these our prayer for living way and so would you stand with me uh, i'm going to state the value as a prayer and then we could read the statement in one voice okay in 2023 god help living way live a gospel-centered life gospel intimacy of god power true transformation God, may the love that Christ has shown us help us to become a more gospel revealing community. God, help us to be bold in our unapologetic proclamation of Scripture. Stand on the solid rock of Scripture without compromise. God, help us to live out what you intended the body of christ to be not just a gathering but a church as family and finally god give us an urgency and a heart for those who don't know you and become an impactful missional community Let's pray. Father, you are a faithful God, and as we look back on 2022, for some of us it was a difficult year, and for others it was a year filled with great memories and breakthroughs. But no matter what 2023 has for us, 2023 has for us nothing. One thing remains certain: you will continue to be faithful as you always have. So help us, as a church, be faithful to you. We need you. And help me now as I preach your word, that you would guide my heart in the words that I speak. That they would be careful and clear for everyone under the sound of my voice. Father, open up our eyes and our ears that we would be able to hear from you. We love you and we thank you. And all God's people said, Amen. Let me see you. Bronnie Ware is an Australian nurse who spent several years caring for patients in the last weeks of their lives. As she spent time with them, she questioned them about any regrets they had or anything that they would do differently. And she realized that there were similar regrets that surfaced again and and again amongst each of her patients that she cared for. So she wrote a book about it called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. Now before I read these to you, I want you to try to find a common theme amongst all of them. There might be multiple common themes, but there is one in particular that caught my attention. Okay, so here are the top five regrets that she found. Number one, I wish I had had the courage to live a life true to myself and not the life others expected of me. She says, this was the most common regret of all. When people realize that their life is almost over and look back clearly on it, it is easy to see how many dreams have gone unfulfilled Most people had not honored even half of their dreams and had to die knowing that it was due to choices they made or not made. Number two, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. This came from every male patient that I nursed. They missed their children's youth and their partner's companionship. All of the men I nursed deeply regretted spending so much of their lives on the treadmill of a work existence. Number three, I wish I had the courage to express my feelings. Many people suppressed their feelings in order to keep peace with others. As a result, they settled for a mediocre existence and never became who they were truly capable of becoming. Many developed illnesses relating to the bitterness and resentment they carried as a result. Number four: I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. Often they would not truly realize the full benefits of old friends until their dying weeks. And it was not always possible to track them down. Many had become so caught up in their, their own lives that they had let the golden friendships slip by over the years. There were many deep regrets about not giving friendships the time and the effort that they deserved. Everyone misses their friends when they're dying. And lastly, number five, I wish I had let myself be happier. This is a surprisingly common one. Many did not realize until the end that happiness is a choice. They had stayed stuck in old patterns and habits. The so-called comfort of familiarity overflowed into their emotions as well as their physical lives. Fear of change had them pretending to others and to themselves that they were content when deep within they longed to laugh properly and have silliness in their life again. Did you catch a common theme? Did you notice it? If I can sum up the regrets of those who didn't have long to live in three words, if I can give you a common theme in three words, here's what I came up with. Healthy, loving relationships. Healthy, loving relationships. I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life that others expected of me. I wish I, hadn't worked, hard so, I, wish I wouldn't, hadn't worked so hard or so much, missing my children's youth and my spouse's companionship. I wish I had the courage to express my feelings to others. I wish I had, touch, I had stayed in touch with my friends. I wish I had let myself be happier instead of pretending to others and to myself that I was content. For these people, healthy, loving relationships were the most important aspect of life. And they deeply regretted not having more of it in the last days of their lives now what about for the believer what about for us as christians what should be most important to us is it not similar matthew 22 verse 36 to 39 says this teacher which is the great commandment in the law and he said to them Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The greatest commandment that Jesus has given us is to love God and the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Healthy, loving relationships is of utmost importance to God for us. At the end of your life, you will be defined not by how much money you made, not by your career choices or the stuff that you have, but by the Holy Spirit, the relationship that you had with God and with others. Now, I know most of us in here have heard a message on love before. Okay, we've all heard this and know it, something like, God a loving God will overflow into loving others." Or loving God is best expressed by loving others. And I think those are great. I have actually no issues with those. But if your relationships with others is of utmost importance to God, the question I have for us today is this. What is one of the greatest expressions of loving your neighbor as yourself? What is one of the best ways for you to love your neighbor as yourself? Well, turn with me to Galatians 6. Galatians chapter 6. If you don't have your Bibles, it's going to be up there on the screen for you. Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 1. It says this, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him into a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Verse 2, bear one another's burdens, And so fulfill the law of christ there it is in verse 2. bearing one another's burdens is one of the greatest expressions of loving your neighbor as yourself and the reason why is because here paul is equating bearing burdens with the greatest commandments a few verses prior in chapter 5 verse 14 he says this for the whole law is fulfilled in one word you shall love your neighbor as yourself And here in Galatians 6 2, he says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. By bearing one another's burdens, we are tangibly living out loving your neighbor as yourself. Now, in context, Paul is talking to the church. He's talking to believers in Galatia. And he's specifically talking about someone who is caught in a transgression or sin. And he tells them that those who are spiritual, or those who are maybe spiritually more mature in the faith, to restore them gently. So in verse 2 then, is referring to that specific sin, and to help that brother or sister out of the entanglement by carrying that burden and bringing them back to a life lived in the Spirit. But this word burden goes beyond just that one situation in verse 1. Here's what Timothy George says in his commentary. He says this, but burden bearing cannot be restricted to that one situation alone. The word for burden, baros, means literally a heavy weight or stone someone is required to carry for a long distance. Figuratively, it came to mean any oppressive ordeal or hardship that was difficult to bear. All Christians have burdens. Our burdens may differ in size and shape and will vary in, in kind depending on the providential ordering of our lives for some it is the burden of temptation and the consequences of a moral lapse as in verse 1 for others it may be a for others it may be a physical ailment or a mental disorder or a family crisis or a lack of employment or a demonic, demonic oppression or a host of other things but no christian is exempt from burdens what he's saying here Is that life is hard and it never stops and i know all of us would agree there is no pause button there are no redos or timeouts things will come and they will keep coming regardless of whether or not you are ready for them and this is why our christian lives were never be were never meant to be lived alone or in isolation we are commanded by god to be responsible for one another and to bear one another's burdens but the reality is that it doesn't happen continuously as it should, right? The reality is there are times when bearing burdens other than our own, for lack of a better term, is too much to bear. You see, the ideal goal when the church family does this correctly and consistently is a picture in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 25 and 26, where Paul says that there is no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all members suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. But when this doesn't happen, when people aren't loved and cared for through bearing burdens for one another, the unfortunate truth is that people start to leave. People start to leave either the church, their faith, or both. As a pastor, there are three things, um, there are three things that break my heart in ministry more than anything. The first one is, is when someone walks away from their faith. Right? As a pastor, I've seen it before, and it, it is one of the most saddest things that you could see: someone just completely abandoning their faith and walking away. But number two and three are actually kind of similar. Number two is when people have been coming and investing in a church for months, for years, several years, serving, even leading. And all of a sudden they stop coming for whatever reason. And nobody reaches out to them. No one even notices. Number three is similar. Someone who has invested in a church for years... All of a sudden all of a sudden decides to look for a new church, not because they have to move or they have found a new job out of state, but because the community and connection that they're experiencing now isn't as life-giving as it once was. They would rather leave their church family to look for a new one. Now, how are these possible? Because they happen to more often than you think. How can someone be involved in a church family, be involved in small groups, serve on a weekly basis, be a part of leadership, give their time, their money, their blood, sweat, and tears, and not be noticed when they're gone? How can someone give their lives to a church week in and week out, and then all of a sudden decide to pick up and leave and try to find a new community because they feel disconnected? Now, I know there's a lot of nuance and different reasons why these things happen. And, um, but more often than not, in my experience, it's because Galatians 6.2 wasn't happening in their lives. No one was helping carrying their burdens with them. They felt alone. They felt disconnected, not cared for. and Most importantly, not loved enough. Because if Galatians 6-2 happened correctly and consistently, there would be very few reasons for a loving member of a church family to leave. Think about it. Think about your closest friends or family, the people that are closest to you, who mean the most to you. And you would never think about leaving them or being apart from. Why are you that close? Why do they mean that much to you? While you may have common interests, same hobbies or similar humor, I can guarantee you this, the closest people in your life are closest to you because they have carried you through the darkest and most difficult times in your life. They carried burdens in your life that you could not carry on your own and they've done it consistently. They aren't closest to you because you guys can joke around together or cheer on your favorite sports teams together or love the same foods. It's because they've been there for you through the thick and thin. They helped you carry the weight of life when no one else would. And this is, and if this is true for normal friendships, how much more for the body of Christ, for the church, which is your family. But Rev, this is tough. It's tough. It's too hard. I can't manage someone else's burdens when I have enough of them of my own. And if that's you, I completely understand where you're coming from. I know what you mean because I've been there too. I've said that too. Church family, do you know why carrying someone else's burden is extremely difficult? Do you know why it's so hard to love your neighbor as yourself? Simply put, it's pride. It's the pride of self-importance, okay? What does verse three and four say in chapter six of Galatians? He says this, for if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Verse four, let each one test his own work and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. What Paul is saying here is this, the pride of self-importance is the main reason why people either don't want to carry another's burden or can't carry another's burden this is why we need to check ourselves and not find personal status or affirmation by comparing ourselves to other believers who are struggling paul is trying to break the myth that self-sufficiency is a good thing it is not we are never meant to live a life on our own but due to pride and how we compare ourselves to those around us pride is the single biggest reason why we aren't able to carry one another's burdens and i'll give you a few examples here imagine with me a brother in church struggling with tithing or giving to god okay just imagine with me. i use this example because we've um for the past few weeks we just got done with our building campaign and we had a series on giving a prideful person instead of coming alongside the brother and helping him in his struggle to give says something like wait he struggles with giving i know what he does for a living he makes at least two to three times more than I do and I still give faithfully how come he can't now tell me if this prideful person wants to or is able to carry that burdens that that brother's burden or the stay-at-home mom who struggles with finding time and energy for quiet times with God because her toddler at home is crazy (laughs) and she's tired a prideful person would say something like Why can't she find time? She only has one kid. I have three. And I'm raising them on my own as my husband is working full time. She's just complaining and finding excuses. I find time for God. Why can't she? Again, you tell me if this prideful sister is willing or able to carry the burden of her sister in Christ who is struggling. Or probably the most common in all of us, as I stated earlier. Is when we say something like i have too many problems of my own to deal with i can't take on anyone else's issues i have work i have kids i have school i have my own dc the stresses of having to pay bills in this economy i don't have the time or energy to carry anyone else's burdens if you if you can relate to any of these You can see why carrying someone else's burden is going to be nearly impossible, especially here in L.A. where things seem to never stop. These are just a few examples of why it's so difficult to love our neighbor as yourself. It's because we are too caught up in thinking that we are something when we aren't, that we are somehow better than someone else. And we keep comparing ourselves to one another as if it matters to God it doesn't on the day of judgment he is not going to say james you weren't quite up to par but hey at least you're aware you're better than this guy hey why don't you come on in he's not going to say that this is why in verse 5 paul says for each will have to bear his own load on the day of judgment we are only going to be responsible for what we have done with the life the one life that god has given us the only person we should be comparing ourselves to is who is jesus who was perfect in every way and if you can't meet his standard then you will far short of heaven which we already have but god in his great mercy through the cross and resurrection has offered us a way through his grace can i get an amen Amen. not by works in order for us to actually bear one another's burdens is to remove ourselves from the equation die to yourself don't compare yourself to them don't think you're better than them or more spiritual than them that person's burden has nothing to do with you but there's also another way pride can creep in and prevent us from bearing a burden for one another and that's the pride of the person who doesn't share with anyone the burdens that they have Without a show of hands, how many of you, and I'm gonna raise my hand, (laughs) I'll raise my hand. How many of you find it really difficult to either rely on others, to trust others, or to share difficult things that you're going through with others? I do. If that's you. Let me remind you that refusing to allow anyone else to help shoulder your burdens, you too are part of the issue. You are communicating either that you can handle it on your own, which you cannot, or your pride is preventing you from admitting weakness and need. And how can the church help carry your burden if you aren't willing to share it with them? And when you don't share your burdens with others, you are preventing other people to be used by God. You are preventing them from being a blessing to uh from blessing you and being blessed because guess what if anyone knew about burdens it was the apostle paul on one occasion he was severely oppressed by afflictions at every turn in this moment of crisis he later wrote in second corinthians 7 6 he says this but god who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of titus john stott he says this he comments this he says god's comfort was not given to Paul through his private prayer or waiting on the Lord, but through the companionship of a friend and through the good news which he brought. Human friendship in which we bear one another's burdens is part of the purpose of God for his people. We should not keep our burdens to ourselves, but rather seek a Christian friend who will help bear them with us. Oftentimes, even in my own personal life, God speaks to me, Not through an audible voice when I'm alone, which he can, but through the people of God around me, especially when I'm going through difficulties or hardships. Oftentimes, the people who love the Lord around me will confirm what I've been reading or praying through. That's how God can and oftentimes communicate with us. We just need to give God a chance to use the people around us instead of trying to bear the burdens on our own. And oftentimes, bearing burdens doesn't take much. Okay, it doesn't take much because what's the goal of bearing someone's burden? Okay, what's the goal of bearing a burden? It's ultimately to point them back to Christ, is it not? Because even those who aren't in the faith can love and bear someone's burden. Right? Those, even non-Christians can do those things. But what's the biggest difference? We as believers do it to point them back to Christ. And even in verse 1, Paul says to restore them gently, meaning restore them back to the life being lived with the Spirit. When you are carrying someone's burden, you aren't doing it so that they would look favorably on you. You aren't doing it so that people will think you are a mature Christian and have everything together. You aren't even doing it to give them a solution. There are two simple things that we can do when we bear one another's burdens. First is listen and pray. Okay, listen and pray. Listen to what they're going through. Okay, remove yourself and your pride and be there fully with them. And sit with them, cry with them, hug them. Just be with them in their time of need. You don't need to give them a Christianese answer, you don't need to give them a suggestion or a solution. Sometimes the best thing you can do to bear someone's burden is just to listen and be with them. Sometimes the greatest advice, the best support someone needs, is just no words at all. And most importantly, pray for them and with them. Pray for them and with them. We don't do this enough. A lot of times we say, hey, I'm praying for you. Hey, I will pray for you. But are we really praying for them? How about actually placing a hand on their shoulder and praying with them right then and there? And if that's not possible, I'd recommend calling them. Say, hey, can I pray for you over the phone? And if that's not possible, I'll say, text them. But text them not that you're praying for them, but text them exactly what you're praying for them about when you pray. Because, like I said before, life is hard, right? It never stops. And the constant burdens of sin in life will wear anyone out, especially if no one else is carrying them with you and lifting you up in prayer. And as I was preparing for this message and um, I looked at my own life and how to apply this passage, I couldn't help but think about us as a church. And ask God how we can be better in this area of bearing one another's burdens. In church, I'm just going to be real with you guys for a quick second. I'm going to be honest with you guys. As most of you guys know, I transitioned into the executive pastor role around November of 2021. And uh, one of my roles as the executive is to support the ministries, right? Support the staff and support the ministry coordinators that lead our ministries here at Living Way. And yes, sometimes it's difficult. um, But I really truly, and I was talking to this with some of the brothers a couple days ago, I really truly love the role that I have here at church. And just the church in general i love living way i absolutely love it here there are a lot of great things that we do here and i have no doubt that god's hand is upon us and leading us but as i thought about galatians 6 2 in our church i couldn't help but notice that god continued to reveal to me areas at living way that can and need improvement when it comes to bearing burdens for one another and as this message again, there's one area that's been on my heart that I wanted to share with you guys. And that area is bearing burdens for newcomers. If God gave me the option to or asked me to change or improve anything about our church, it's th- this area, hands down for me. I think we can all agree that looking for a new church or visiting a church that you're not familiar with is, can be scary it's intimidating because you don't know what you're getting yourself into you don't know if that church is going to be friendly you don't know if you're going to meet new people newcomers have a huge burden on their shoulders when they come to a new house of worship and if i'm being really honest i don't know if we as living way are shouldering most of that burden for those who are new some of us are But again, I don't know if Living Way as a whole is being a gospel-revealing community, especially to the newcomers. Because the mindset of all of us in here, when it comes to someone who is new, should be this. Oh, I've never seen that guy before. I've never seen that guy before. I can't imagine the burden that 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 guy must feel. But coming to a place where there's 170 new people, let me go introduce myself to him. Let me invite him down to lunch so I could maybe hear his story. Maybe even I can pray for him. Because more than anything, I want him to be a part of our church. I want him to experience the life-giving community that I've been experiencing. Is that not how all churches should be for those who are seeking a new church family? Imagine with me if someone invites you over to a Christmas party at their home and you go to this party and no one at the party, not even the host, even lays eyes on you, let alone tries to talk to you. You're guaranteed never to come back, even if you're invited again. Brothers and sisters, I believe that God has called us to to have a higher standard than that. It's not just the pastor's job or the welcome team's job. The welcome team has, I think, about only 12 people on it. It should be the mission of each person who calls Living Way their home to befriend and bear that burden for each new person that walks into our church home. And even when I think about, and when, I talk, when we're talking about and praying about a new potential building, This is my personal fear one of my personal fears guys i'm just trying to be honest one of my personal fears is that as a church we will generously give to a new building move into it but never grow in number we buy this large building with a huge campus but we will never fill it because for whatever reason we don't naturally shoulder the burdens of those who are new And like I mentioned earlier, if loving your neighbor as yourself isn't happening and Galatians 6.2 isn't being lived out correctly and consistently, we are bound to have people, especially newcomers, go out the back door and no one will ever know. We would be missing out on the people joining our church family, which is the reason why we can't which is the reason why we wanted a a building in the first place is to be uh, an impact to make an impact in the community for the kingdom, is it not? One of the reasons why I have a heart for newcomers is because of my own personal story. Um, For those of you guys who don't know, uh, I started coming out to Living Way back in 2005, May of 2005, that's almost, what is that? 18 years, 18 years. I'm only 25, so it's crazy, right? It's, uh, but the way that I got here and the, way that the reason why I stayed at Living Way was due to someone bearing my burden. Again, as most of you guys know, I grew up in the church. I grew up in the church. I went to church with my parents. Um, my dad was an elder, and um, we went to church every Sunday. Any vacation was Thursday to Saturday, and we always came back to church on Sunday but looking back i don't believe i ever had a personal relationship with christ when i was uh, when i was younger Um, it was always a burden for me to go to church because um, number one is our church wasn't very big we didn't have very many youth youth um, kids Um, and as well the pastor was a volunteer he's one of the leaders in the church and he only spoke korean and so i never understood any of his messages Um, it was just difficult to relate to understand and so Around the same time, um, around I started playing water polo when I was seven. Uh, water polo had um, was a big part of my life growing up, and um, as I turned to seventh or eighth grade, is when I got really serious. And my parents actually moved from Cerritos to Long Beach for me to go to s- school in Long Beach because they had the best uh, high school team in the country. And so I went to Long Beach Wilson to play water polo, and with water polo, there was always games on the weekends, there was club teams, there was swim meets, there was all these things. And so slowly but surely, I started to fade away from church, right? It stopped going, uh, especially by ninth grade, I just completely stopped going. And none of my friends were Korean. I actually didn't have any Asian friends from ninth grade to, to senior year in college. Um, it, was, uh, it, was ent- it was an interesting time. It was an interesting time. But um, I started getting, getting serious at water polo and then I got a scholarship to go play at USC. And it was a great time, um, best university in the world. <laughs> I throw that in there. Um, and at my senior year, my last season, um, I felt a really terrible pain in my shoulder throughout the whole season. And after the season ended, I got an MRI and um, find out that my shoulder was torn. I was playing with a torn shoulder, a torn rotator cuff for the whole year. And so I got surgery. And for after you get surgery, what's the next thing you do is you rehab. And so I would go to the training room every single day, four to five days a week, to get rehab on my shoulder. And when you go to any place, and even the training room, which is, was somewhat small back then, you meet the same people every single day. And well, I caught, Well, and um, <laughs> there was one girl, a student trainer, that I was kind of interested in. Um, I was kind of shy to talk to her, but you know, I saw her every day for like two, three months, and so um, I was, you know, just trying to talk to her and. Uh, one day we we're just we we're just catching a conversation in the training room and she asked me she's like hey what ethnicity are you because no one knew what i no one knew what i was uh, i looked much different back then and i said hey I'm, I'm korean and she said oh cool like i go to a korean american campus club um would you like to come with me and um i was like sure like for you in my mind i was like for sure for you anything like i'll i'll come and so i went and Again, mind you, this is April of senior year, right? We graduate, we're on semester schedule, so we graduate in May, which means the majority of those people in that ministry, in that campus, uh, in that Christian club, had stayed with one another for three, four years. As soon as I walked in the doors of that club, all the seniors just gathered around me and just welcomed me with open arms. Like again, we were graduating in a month, And they came around me and said, hey, you look different. Um, You're just different from us, but it's cool. We love you and we want to. And so from then on, they would call me even midnight. Hey, let's go play basketball. Hey, let's do this. I thought Christians were boring. I thought Christians were not supposed to have fun. And yet I was having the time of my life. And then towards the end, around May, right before we're graduating, I remember I went to the campus ministry and we were doing some activity outside. And I had never met this brother. Uh, he was a regular at the, at the ministry, but uh, his name was Ed. Never met him. He comes walking to me. He says, hey, I've never met you. What's your name? And I said, hey, oh, my name is James. He's like, cool, my name's Ed. Do you go to church? <laughs> so sir, this is the first two minutes that I've ever met him. I was like, no. And he's like, do you want to go? And I was like, sure. He's like, do you have a car? I was like, yeah, I have a car. He's like, can you pick me up on Sunday? Because you're right. So like, sure, why not? And so i went i picked him up he lived right down the street from me and we went that was living way right he was the cousin of one of the pastors back then and it would be nice if i were to tell you oh yeah living way was awesome and we they welcomed me it was it was hard in the beginning but what ed did was he shouldered that burden for me he would lead me and guide me to every single person he would introduce me to everybody i stuck by his hip for the first two months Right, I was so scared. This was the first time I went to church without my parents. Right, and I was, what, 21 and I was still scared. But he saw the burden and he bared it with me. He went to, we went together, obviously I was driving him, but we went out to eat all the time. We hung out all the time. And he saw that, hey, I know it could be scary for you. It could be difficult for you. Let me bear that burden with you. And he just walked through it with me. Brothers and sisters, I believe that God has called us to have a higher standard, again, than what we're doing. This is how we bring people into the fold of Christ. This is how we can bear and shoulder the burden, bear the burden, especially for newcomers. And so as I close, I wanna leave us with a charge or a challenge for us all, okay? Some of you right now are thinking, again, That this is still too hard. I have my own issues. Maybe you yourself are going through some hardships or have burdens too heavy for you to carry on your own. And you can't imagine carrying someone else's burdens. If that's you, I see you. And I've been there before. If that's you, maybe right now in this season, maybe it's time for your burdens to be carried for a little bit. If I can encourage you to find some brothers or sisters here at Living Way that can help carry that burden for you. Again, this Christian life was never meant to be lived alone. If you're struggling in a particular area, can I ask you to actually approach someone, your D.C. Someone, maybe if you're a mom and dad, seek out other moms and dads. Ask them if they're willing to actually carry that burden with you. And for the rest of us, I want to remind you of what God has called you to do and be. Which is love your neighbor as yourself. This is the greatest commandment that Christ has given us. There is no greater calling than to help bear the burden of your church family. And notice in Galatians chapter 6, a few verses later in in verses 7 through 10. This is what Paul says. He says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows he will also reap for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption but the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life verse 9 let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season we will reap if we do not give up so then as we have the opportunity let us do good to everyone especially to those who are of the household of faith in the economy of God, as Pastor James likes to say, in the bank of Jesus Christ, your investment is guaranteed one, ten, a hundredfold. Your ROI, your ROI, it's a fancy business term that people like to use, it stands for return on investment. Your ROI is better than any real estate, any cryptocurrency, any GameStop stock, any 401k could ever give you. Why? Because unlike any investment of this world can offer you, God guarantees your return. If you remove yourself, if you step in faith and don't give up, you will reap what you sow in God's economy. And so church, here's my charge to us all and including myself as we head into 2023. Give this a try. When it comes to newcomers, just give it a shot. Whether you're introverted or extroverted, whether you love meeting new people or are extremely timid and shy, whether you're tired and busy, or you have all the time and energy in the world, ask God for boldness to carry that burden for newcomers who have stepped into our church, which again can be terrifying. When it comes to our own relationships that we currently have, ask God to give you the boldness, the space, the energy, the time to help carry someone's burden with them. Because that's the most practical way that we show our love for one another as Christ has done for us. Instead of asking people how they're doing, instead of asking them, hey, how are you doing? Say, hey, brother, hey, sister. Is there a burden I can help carry you with? Is there a burden that's too difficult for you to carry alone? Can I carry that with you? Church, give it a shot. Give it a try. Today, this week, try it for a month. And I promise you, and this isn't my promise. It's from his word. That you will reap what you sow. He will bless you beyond what you could have imagined. It is for your joy and for his glory. Brothers and sisters, don't give up, but continue to do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Let's pray. Wanted to take some time um, before we take communion Go before the Lord when it comes to bearing burdens. First, pray that God will reveal someone or people that can help carry your burden. If you're in a season of tiredness, of difficulty, of hardships, you pray that God will reveal someone to you that can help carry that for you. Because even in a room full of people, you can feel as lonely as you ever have been. If no one is there helping you carry your burdens, I promise you it's going to be difficult for you. Again, we are never, we were never meant to, be, to live life on our own. And lastly, can we pray against the spirit of pride? The pride of self-importance and the pride of comparison in our own lives. Again, this is the single biggest hurdle as to why we aren't bearing burdens for one another. It's the pride of both the person not willing to carry the burden as well as the person with the burden. So let's pray for those two things.